In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Thanks, Clayton. You may have a seat. So make sure you have a Bible with you because we're gonna walk through this text a little bit and I, I just always think that scripture is gonna be way stickier when it comes to forming your imagination than anything clever or witty that I can say. And so we're in Romans 8 starting, uh, actually Romans 8 and then uh, if you're reading this text, there's probably a verse if you're familiar at all with church and scripture, uh, there's a verse that might have grabbed your attention that you've heard before and it's, it's a bombshell of a claim. Right? It's a bombshell of a claim. It says that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Stop there. That's an amazing claim. God wants to work for your good. God wants to work for your good. That is an amazing claim. And here's how I want you to think about that bold promise. Uh, if you have anything in your life that you do regularly, but that you don't necessarily see immediate results from. Like it's good for your health, it's good for your life, but you don't always see immediate results from taking part in it. So think about things like taking your vitamins or an annual checkup or or a good diet of fruits and veggies or, or regular exercise. Like you don't always see immediate results from doing those things. Like you don't go out for one short run and then all of a sudden your life is drastically different. But over time, those things add up. The little things add up to a better version of you, a better life, right? And so here's the thing. God is working in the everyday things of life. It says all things. God is working. He has a long view of your life, and he is working all things in your life for your good. He's working all things for your good. In fact, what I want you to see today is that what God has started in your story, he will finish for his glory. What he started in your story, he will finish for his glory. That, that God has gone to great lengths to demonstrate his love for you. He has started something in your story and he will see it finished. He will see it to completion. It may be messy at times. It may not be as we expect or predict or desire, but it will be beautiful and glorious and it will be bigger and more beautiful than anything we might ever imagine. God is at work for your good. Now, something happens in this text. I don't know if you noticed, as Clayton read for us, something happens in this text. Um, there's a zooming in, and there's a zooming out. So imagine like a map where you zoom in on really close on like one street corner, and then you zoom out, and you're looking at the whole city or the whole state or the whole country or the whole world. Uh, there's a zooming in that happens, and that the first part of this text talks about something really intimate and personal, our own prayer lives, the, the groanings and cries on behalf of our hearts to God. It's very intimate and personal. And then it very 
quickly shifts gears to something cosmic, like the redemptive scope of God's activity in the world comes into view. And that's on purpose, because what happens is the very everyday things of our life, the intimate and personal, is very related to the big cosmic thing that God is doing in the world, that God is at work in the world, and as he's at work in the world, that is also at work for your own good. That as God is working for his glory in the world, your good is being drawn into that same story. In fact, last week, um, Melissa Shazer preached uh, on, on, a, on the passage right before this, and she talked about how we live in what she called the already and not yet that God has started his work of bringing hope and healing into the world. He's bringing it to completion himself, and we can experience that story for ourselves. We can experience that peace and hope and joy in our lives today, every single day, because God is at work for good in your story. So if we look at the rest, we look at verse 28, we can break it down and see a little bit about what that looks like. Verse 28 a couple of things, right? It says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Works for the good of those who love him. Now, who is he talking about? When he says those who love him, he means people who have received his love. People who have been brought into the family. His people. People that have a covenant relationship with the God of the universe. Those who are God's people, God's family, those who love him. And then he says, who have been called according to his purpose, called according to his purpose. Another really important thing that God's purpose in scripture has been to create a people for himself. From the very beginning, God was creating a people for himself that reflect his love and his grace and his mercy in the world. And so that's actually a really good summary of what's happening in the whole book of Romans. It's a really good summary of what's happening in the whole uh, chapter of Romans Eight, that God's purposes are to create a people for himself. And it's also a good summary just of the Bible that sometimes uh, we might think that the Bible is like this big, scary, long list of to-dos and to-not-dos. But really, this is the story of how God has gone to great lengths to bring you into his family, that he has gone to great lengths to work on behalf of your good in the world. And that's the promise that we see today, that God is working all things according to his purpose, that he is at work in the world for our good. Now, notice it doesn't say God is at work to give me whatever I want. Or that God is at work to fulfill my wildest dreams. Or that God will never let me suffer or go through anything hard. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that God wants to use the everyday stuff, all things, for your good and for his glory in the world. So if we kind of step back and we look at the context around that passage, we can see a little more of what that means for him to work for our good and his glory in the world. So if you go back to verse 26, you go back to verse 26 and it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So pause right there. So he uses prayer as an example of how God is working all things for our goods. And he uses a particular word. He talks about the Spirit groaning on our behalf. Groaning. Now, I think we all groan over certain things. 
right? Some of us uh, may have been watching football yesterday, and uh, one of the things that makes me groan as a football fan is like a field goal, wide right, oh, just missed it, right? Some of us, like, and I wouldn't say this from personal experience, but if you're, if you're driving home, let's say from a long day at work, and you get a phone call, and it says, hey, can you pick this up on the way home? Oh, some of you are looking around because you know, like, yeah, like, ah, oh, it's not. Uh, and then in a more serious way, sometimes we get a, like a phone call or we get a text or we get bad news. This has happened. This diagnosis has come back. This person has suffered. There's this thing is wrong. And, and that causes us to groan too. Mm. Because we know, right, groans are a sign that something isn't right, that we wanted something different, that we wanted something good, that we wanted something better, but it's not what we got. That's why we groan. And so what he's saying, he's using the example of prayer to say that that the Holy Spirit, the powerful God, the Holy Spirit is in us, groaning on our behalf, naming what we need before we even realize it. He's groaning on our behalf. He is, he is telling God, uh, there is something that I'm working towards in this person's life. I'm pulling them towards that good before they even can articulate the good that they're after. The Holy Spirit is already moving you in that direction. So even when you're not there yet, even when you haven't thought of it, God is already at work for your good. God is already on your side. Using prayer as an example, uh, Scottish pastor Tom Smale says that we are invited to see prayer not primarily as a duty required of us, but much more as a gift given to us by the Holy Spirit. God is on our side of the relationship. It is not that we pray so that God, the Spirit, can work in us. It is because the Spirit is already at work within us that we can pray. He's saying God is already on our side of the relationship. There's not some magic, uh, some magic thing we need to do to get God to, to be a part of our story, to, to lead us into good, that God is already working on our behalf, that the Spirit is at work on behalf of the good that God has for your life. You know, I think that it's, it's easy for us to imagine sometimes our spiritual life. So think about a light switch. And we imagine our spiritual life like the light switch is off, right? We, we want the light switch on because the light switch brings light and it brings uh, light into our story and relationship with God, but the light switch is off and we have to like do the right thing. And the right thing might be uh, behaving the right way or going to church enough or, or praying the right way or saying the right words or believing the right thing. And if we do that, then we might flip the switch and all of a sudden our lives are flooded with God's presence and his goodness, But what if the light is already on and our eyes are just closed? What if, what if God is already on our side? What if God is already working for our good and yet we can't see it because we're so focused on our own stuff? We have our eyes closed. The light switch is already on. God's already on our side. He's already in our stories. The good is already coming. What if we're just missing it because our eyes are closed? We're so holding on to ourselves and what we can do instead of letting God's abundance reign in our lives. Where do you need to open your eyes and see that what God has started in your story, he will finish for his glory, that God has you and that he's working all things for your good. 
What are you going through right now? Or you need to be reminded that God has started something and he will see it through. What is that thing, whatever that thing is, whatever this thing is that you need to say, God, you will see it through. God, you are working for my good. I don't have to be a superhero. I don't have to solve all the problems. I don't have to do all the things. God, whatever it is, this will ultimately be a part of the good story that you're writing in my life. And he goes on to show why we can have confidence that our stories will be for good. Verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So pause there. We said earlier that God's purpose, his plan was to create a people for himself. And if God's creating a people, a family, he says that Jesus is the firstborn. And the firstborn is the one that everyone else is supposed to follow. He is the example. He's he's the one we're supposed to look like. Jesus is the firstborn. And if that's true, then, then good for us would look like good for Jesus. Notice he says that we are to be conformed to the image of his son. And therefore, good is not defined by earthly preferences, by consumption, by comfort, or by our own definition of good. Good is defined by conformity to Christ. Good is ultimately defined by conformity to Christ, the one who was crucified on the cross, buried in the grave, and rose again on the third day. That was good. And it was good news for the world, and it's good news for you and good news for me. Because the thing is, when God's good wins... When God's good wins, evil and sin and death and brokenness and suffering, it does not get the final word. When God's good wins, suffering, brokenness, death, hopelessness, it does not get the final word. The gospel is always moving us towards conformity to Christ. It's moving us towards the cross because the cross is the ultimate good for us and the ultimate good for the world. The cross tells us where our story is headed. It's headed towards redemption. It tells us where our story is headed so that we can pay attention to God's work in our lives in the good moments and in the bad And we can trust that we're headed where he intends us to go. About a decade ago, my wife and I, my wife and I uh, adopted our youngest child from Ethiopia. She was about one and a half at the time. And we brought her home. And uh, and what I can remember about those days is uh, when you're trying to integrate uh, a, t- a toddler who doesn't speak the same language as from different culture uh, into your family, it can be very difficult. Now, let me just preface that by also by saying our kid is absolutely wonderful and brilliant and thoughtful and kind, and she is, she is our daughter, right? I love her to death. But in the early days of her living in our house, we would be like out in public and we'd be like in the grocery store or I'd be like in the grocery store or at church and someone would come up and they'd say, oh, how's it going? And I would be like, it's, it's really hard. And they would instantly, instantly say, but it's a blessing, right? But it's joyful, right? But it's good, right? And 
It was amazing. It was amazing the human mind's like lack of capacity to believe that something that's hard might be used for our good. That it has to be immediately washed over us, but it's a blessing, right? But it's good, right? But it's joyful. No, it was hard. I loved it. I would give my life for that kid, but it was hard. God will use your story and what you're going through for your good and for his glory. But the thing that happens is that we end up finding out when we know where we're headed, we know what God's going to do with us, ultimately, that it allows us to hold fast to hold fast to the joy and the hope and the peace that only he can bring in the midst of that story. See, the story wasn't how I would have written it myself. And that's true for all of our stories. It wasn't how I would have written it myself, but because I knew ultimately what God was going to do in my story, I know where it's headed. I could live with hope and peace and joy. Where do you need to know where your story is headed so that you can live with grace and joy and hope in the midst of hard circumstances. In fact, this is, where the, this is where our text ends. Verse 30 says this. Those he predestined, those he, call, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified which if I could just translate those real fast, right? Like those who God knew beforehand, those who God, who God chose, those who God chose, he called, those he called, he justified, he made right, he justified, and then he glorified. That They're in the process of being made glorious in God's image. Now, here's the thing. This verse itself, we could spend hours in Bible study picking apart this verse and the meanings of those words. But I don't believe that the point of this passage is so that like, we can imagine God at like a table with a little scientific thing going, like this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. I don't think that's what's happening. I think the author of Romans is trying to help us understand that God has always been the one who was writing our story for good. Way before we could even imagine it. And way after we're living with Jesus for eternity, God is at work in our story. It's always been him. It's always, always, always been him. This isn't about a pattern for us to follow, to go from this to this to this. It's about a pattern that God has followed in the world and in our lives to make us right with him, that God has started something in your story and he will see it through. He will finish it. Your life is meant to glorify the God who made you to be conformed to Christ. That's your story. That's who you are. That's what he's done for you. Live into that story. Tell it to yourself. Trust it over and over and over. God is redeeming all things for his good, and that includes your life. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, God who loves us so deeply that you're working all things together 
for our good, for the good of those who love you and who trust you and those who are called into your family according to your purpose. God, we trust you today. And I ask for my friends here that we would just be nudged closer and closer to your goodness in our lives, that we would release control and cling to Jesus alone. God, you are good and you are faithful. We love you. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we pray. Amen.